I'm here. And welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rework Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Papa Newt of PapaNewt.com in Omaha, Nebraska, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjurman Ali of TheConjurman.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week, we'll be joined by a special guest from the Association of Independent Readers and Reworkers, Angela Marie Horner of AngelaMarieHorner.com in Santa Rosa, California, bringing us today's topic on death and mourning. Afterwards, they'll take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work as divine and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooist of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Miss Cat and Conjurman Ali. Miss Cat? Hello, Papa Newt. Nice to <laughs> hear you. How are things in the lovely Midwest? Busy. I'm just uh, uh, busy uh, preparing to go into Des Moines next month a couple of times for an event. Um, I, uh, there's uh, a gentleman that is going to be setting up for me to do readings more in a gallery setting and using my bones, which is going to be interesting because there will be a video, like a camera over, and so people can see what I'm seeing, and it's, it's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to this. Oh, very cool. Wow. Oh, that's wonderful. So people will be able to call you, for instance, on Skype, and they'll see from above, they'll see what bones actually, you're throwing? Actually, it's going to be like more of a, a in-person gallery-type setting where people are going to be selected at random, um, and then I will give them brief readings on, on their questions, and uh, it's, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Oh, it sounds wonderful. It sounds absolutely like a great idea. Um Very bone throwing cool, yeah. is such a visual thing. To be able to see it is just it's a it's a good bonus. It's <laughs> <That's> very cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, out here in California, um we're starting to see some new growth on the plants. I was out with Summer Burks um picking periwinkle and we were picking mugwort, or rather she was because I'm allergic to it. But I pointed it out. There was some little new spring growth of the mugwort. And uh, she had brought in a whole lot of althea root from her garden. Usually when we sell althea root, it's just more or less chipped root, you know, cut and sifted. But she brought in whole root. So if you order soon and you want that althea root, you're going to have fine packages of whole root very soon. And you can put a little note in saying, I want whole root, not chips. It's really nice stuff. And... um we also picked rose hips um, for those who want to make medicinal tea. We had a wonderful time. It was really nice being out there in the spring sunshine with summer. And then I graded John the Conquer roots. So 
so now I smell, smell like John the Conqueror boots. And my, I was so late coming up, I didn't have time to wash my hands. I'm going, whoa, this is fragrant. And uh, many of you know and love that smell. It's a wonderful, wonderful smell. Um, somewhere between Memphis barbecue and men's armpits. <laughs> That's very accurate. Yeah, it is accurate. Yeah, if you've never tried a John the Conquer root for um, for that um, that large male energy, you might want to try one sometime. It's uh, it's the real thing. All right. So, how are things in um, your world, Conjurman Ali? Things are are quite good. Um, I've been uh, busy doing some uh, historical astrology research, which is always uh, a bit fun to do. For a project I'm 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 working on, uh, I just got my hands on on a book on a translation, uh, so that's that's exciting. Um, so I've been deep deep in the uh, uh, astrology world for for the past couple of weeks, mostly focusing on uh, mundane astrology and prediction of kind of big world events. Uh, I'm looking at some kind of interesting theories and concepts that some of the medieval writers were thinking about. So it's it's been fun combining my my interest in, in research and my interest in uh, astrology um, and trying to link it up with the practice, my own practice in mundane astrology and horary astrology. So it's it's been a it's been an interesting and fun week. Sounds wonderful. It sounds like the kind of thing that uh, people like you and me like to do. Oh, yeah. And um, I would be remiss if I didn't have just a little political history moment with you. Oh, yes. Um, so, speaking in terms of political history, since you're a professional historian, mm-hmm. what was wrong about Chris Matthews comparing Bernie Sanders' crushing <sighs> win in the Nevada caucus mm-hmm. to the Nazi army invading France <sighs> in 25 <laughs> words or less? This is the second time they've done this. The second time they've done this. The first time was with Chuck Todd, who compared his followers to brown shirts. Yes. And it's like you're sitting there going, what part of don't compare the first Jewish candidate who lost family to the Holocaust to yeah. the Third Reich do you not get? Like, it's really an easy rule to follow. But somehow the quote unquote liberal MSNBC keeps failing to do so. I saw I saw it tweeted out and my jaw just dropped. Yeah. Just yeah. dropped. It was shocking. It was shocking. And I was so glad to see that retire Chris Matthews and fire Chris Matthews are both trending as hashtags. Um, oh yeah. I I and I was I was just mind blown. I couldn't, you know, because hey, I was taught to believe that MSNBC was the more liberal. You know, no, no, no. Fox News, Fox News, Donald J. Trump is treating Bernie Sanders more fairly than MSNBC. What can you say? That's terrifying. The world is topsy-turvy, but yes, as um, as a person of Bernie Sanders' generation, who also is the child of an immigrant who escaped anti-Semitism in Europe, mm-hmm. I was ready to, you know, get very angry, which I did, all over the internet. Yeah, yeah <laughs> rightly so, rightly so. It was just one of those moments that you go, 
first of all, historically inaccurate, you know, completely misunderstanding the, the German invasion of France. But two, it's just one of those things where you go, you, it's, it's, no one is forcing you to make Nazi allusions, and no one's making you, forcing you to make Nazi al- uh, analogies towards the first Jewish presidential candidate who's won a, you know, a major victory in the primaries. It's like, you've, you've lost the plot, dude. You've lost the plot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, it was something else. It really was something else. And um, I don't know, you know, all of this, you know, communist, socialist, pinko, red. I mean, these people are playing out a playbook that is um, old and gone and dead. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Old and gone and dead. And uh, exactly they deserve right. to um, they deserve to be retired to a nice little horse farm where they can, you know, enjoy themselves with the ponies because <laughs> they shouldn't be on national television. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. All right. Well, I just had to get that out with you because I know that you love history and and I know you're left of center like I am. Oh, yeah. Lord. Well, all right. Well, today we have an entirely different topic. And, of course, these little history talks and contemporary um, events uh, talks kind of date some of the shows. People listening 10 years from now go, what were they talking about? Look it up. Just look it up, okay, because it really was worth discussing. But we're going to go to something a little more timeless, a little more universal. And we're going to bring in our guest, um, Angela Marie Horner, and the topic of um, grief and mourning and loss and how people in the magical community and specifically in the conjure and hoodoo community deal with that. So let's say hi first. Hello, Angela Marie. How are you doing? Hi. I'm alive. Oh, welcome. Oh, welcome to the show. I'm glad you're alive. I would be sad mm-hmm. to have a show on death and mourning with you dead. <laughs> I love you so much. <laughs> that would be interesting you because, around. you know, yeah, that, that would be interesting, though, you know. Angela, how are you doing? I'm dead right now. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, um, I'm going to just um, bring a little bit of thought to this, and then I'm going to turn you loose on it, and then uh, Ali and I will comment if we have comments. Um, death and mourning and grief is something that um, goes through cultures in different ways. Um, some cultures are stoic about it. Some are more uh, demonstrative about sorrow and grief. When it comes to um Individuals, though, they don't always follow what their culture recommends for them. Death and mourning are something that many people consider to be unpresentable and possibly preventable. At least they try to stop death if they can't, and they don't. They uh, try to stop mourning and grief. And there are rules in different cultures about what is acceptable. What's an acceptable amount of grief? You know, can you grieve this much if your Siamese fighting fish died, but you can grieve a little bit more if your 17-year-old cat died? But then other people say, well, it was 17 years old. What did you expect? You know, so my first advice to anybody who is suffering death and is grieving is don't let anyone else define your mourning. Just don't. If they come from the same culture as you, they may have a similar uh, belief set to you. No, it doesn't matter if they do or they don't. You can take it from me, Cat Ironwood, who has suffered 
through these situations, you can just say to them, to their face, fuck you, or if you prefer, (laughs) fuck off, okay? (laughs) And um, there is no reason that anybody should suffer the double sorrow of losing someone and then having a friend turn up in their face. So rule number one in my world is leave me alone. If you can't say something supportive, get the fuck away. And I'm saying that from a standpoint of real anger. When my first daughter died, you'd be amazed. People came up to me, oh, you know, she was just sent here to teach you a lesson. You and she had a had an agreement about that in past lives. Answer to that? Fuck off. Fuck off. Get out of my house. Get the fuck away. Right? It was so common for people to say that to me. I I got to the point where I lost a lot of friends, and I was glad of it, because who needs people telling me that I made an agreement for my infant daughter to die? You know? I mean, fuck off. Right? So... They left me alone, and then I was able to mourn on my own with my true friends and my family who were those close to me. And, of course, you don't get over something like that very quickly. And, of course, you don't always have a prayerful solution. You don't always have a magical solution. You just kind of live through it. But there are prayers and there are magical ways of turning the energy back toward life and you don't need to go down that hole forever. Um, for me, it took me about two and a half years before I was able even to talk about it. And that's not unusual. So with that having been said, and always remembering, that's your last defense. If anyone comes up to you and says, this was a lesson you had to learn, just say to your in your mind, Cat Ironwood says that I can tell them, fuck off. Okay. <laughs> okay. That was my best magical advice, Angela Marie. Now I'll turn this over to you. <laughs> uh, it sounds like pretty stern advice, pretty good advice too. Um, I'm not sure if I'm ready for this, but I'm gonna dive into it and see how it goes. Um, I January eighth, my dog, my little girl, because I considered her one of my kids, uh, she died at the age of five years old after losing her fight with her cancer. Oh, I know. Such a sweet, sweetheart she was. And she was. She didn't have a mean bone in her body, you know. And, um, oh, well, she was a pit bull. Yeah, yeah. Pit bulls are teddy bears. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. (laughs) They're absolute... (laughs) teddy bears. When I was sick, she would come and she'd lay her head on me and, you know, just kind of be like, Mommy, I'm here. You know, she was my diabetic service dog. She saved my life three times. I was very upset, but I couldn't even save her as once. And one of the things that I have found we have to remember, especially as somebody who wields magic, is that just because you pray, Just because you have a spell that might heal them, if it's their time, it's their time. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing you can do about it. And that's the hardest, the hardest thing for me right now is Mm -hmm. 
accepting that there was absolutely nothing I could do. I spent every dime I had on her treatment Mm. trying to save her. And there was nothing I could do. I exhausted every spell I had and every book I had and every prayer I could think of. And for a short time, I was very angry at my goddess because Hecate has, you know, has dog as one of her spirit animals, has horse as one of her spirit animals, and has uh, serpent as one of her spirit animals. Mm. Why would you take away my rock? You know, I was really mad. I'm still mad, but I get it. Everybody dies. And death is not suffered by the dead. Death is suffered by the living. Mm-hmm. And so we have to sit with our own grief and we have to sit with our own sadness, but that doesn't mean you have to sit under a boulder. You can let it sit mm. next to you as a friend and understand that this is how things go. Mm. Um, and even in all my, you know, searching to try to help her out, I also realized there's no spell, no quick fix for your grief. You just mm-hmm. have to live with it. You have to mm-hmm. live through it. Mm-hmm. And if you mm. don't live through it, you're going to sit in it, and you're never going to get out of it, and you're never going to be able to move again. Yeah. I hear you on that. You know, and, um, I used to yeah. go to a church that um, Pastor Johnny Otis used to preach at, and he said one thing. It really caught my ears one time. He said, um, God answers every prayer. But sometimes the answer is no. And if it were, <laughs> and if it were mm-hmm. not so, uh, nobody's grandmother would die. Because everybody mm-hmm. prays, oh, let grandma live another year. Mm-hmm. And at some point, God says no. And like you said, you were mad at your goddess. And, um, mm-hmm. you know... That happens. People do get mad at whatever god or goddess, whatever deity, whatever conception of the universe. Mm-hmm. They just get mad, but it's fruitless because these are the conditions that prevail. This is what mm-hmm. we have. And there are many people who will give in to self-crippling um, sorrow, addiction, or even suicide because they can't adjust to the conditions that prevail. And there's also that sometimes that feeling of, am I disloyal by getting better, getting healthier, getting happier? Mm. And um, for me, uh, the anniversary of my first daughter's birth was like a time when I couldn't even speak to people. Now, I said it took me two mm. and a half years before I could even talk to people about it. Um, mm-hmm. It took me 14 years before I just didn't have a complete breakdown on her birthday every year. And this mm. was after having had another child, by the way. Mm. Um, and um, But I know people who go through their whole lives, if you have a big enough family and you live long enough, almost every week there's going to be somebody's birthday and there's going to be, if that person has passed, there's going to be a reason for grief just about every day of the year. Mm-hmm. And if we only remember yeah. people who were born or animals that were born 
if we only remember them on their birthday with sorrow, and then of course we have their death day too, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we we can um, go through life in a very gloomy way, and mm-hmm. I've even known people who, when a new baby is born and happens to share um, the birth date of someone who died tragically young, other people say, "Oh, this ruins their grief." You see, they don't say that, but they're saying. You know, they're jealous. Why was that, did that baby get born on the day my husband died? You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, we have to learn that the calendar belongs to everybody. And yeah. my my advice is don't spend too much time brooding about dates. They are mm-hmm. shocking. They are harmful to your spirit. When that date comes up, I'm going to recommend something that comes out of Jewish tradition, on the anniversary of someone's death, we light a candle. Mm-hmm. And it's a mm-hmm. white candle, and it has to burn for about 12 hours. So you don't need a big one. It just has to burn for about 12 hours, and it's called a Yarzite candle. And Yarzite means one year's time or anniversary. And um, the Yarzite candle, you can buy them um, pretty much anywhere. Um, almost every supermarket that sells matzahs <laughs> will sell Yarzite candles. <laughs> and they'll have it in the food section. Because the Jews just know that's where you go to the Jewish section to get that Yerzite candle. But you burn that, and you light it at sundown, and you let it burn, and it'll burn till sunrise. And it's a good passage candle. It's a good thing to do. Now, you don't have to use a Jewish one that has a star, David. You can use any candle. But I find it's a good way to get through that grief um, when that the day comes around of the death, what some people call the homegoing day. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a good thing to do is to um, light that candle. That's not bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I know what you feel about you know having it because I was supposed to have a third daughter who passed too. Mm-hmm. You know, and both she and Penelope were in February. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, Penelope was Valentine's Day, and uh, Janae, which I named her after an auntie, was um, uh, passed away the 17th of January. She wasn't even; she didn't even get to be born. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I had a lot of the oh, it's just here to teach you a lesson, and I'm like thinking, oh, what lesson is that? That faith is cruel. Yeah. <laughs> that humans yeah. are flawed. <laughs> you know, something's in the water. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, you you I, go I get, through a lot of it. It's true. I get ahead, that people sorry. are well-intentioned uh, in their, you know, attempts to, to, to say stuff like that. But comfort is better than advice. And so, you know, I'm I'm with mm-hmm. both of you. And Ms. Cass said, fuck off. Or like that. I get where you're coming <laughs> from exactly. Because the reality is that when you're in that state, you're not looking for advice. Mm-mm. People want to give you advice, but that's not what you need. That's not what you're looking for. What you need is just understanding, right? What you need yeah. is, is is comfort, is someone to go, I feel that, right? That is That will go far further uh, than giving someone, you know, oh, this is, it happened for the, don't try to make sense of it. Don't try to Mm-mm. tell people what they should do or whatnot. It's, it's not... I don't think it's particularly helpful, and it actually can end up hurting more um, because it leaves it, it's, you're trying to intellectualize something that 
we have a hard time grasping. I mean, they're, even in the most death-friendly cultures, death is still yeah. a stranger. Uh, mm-hmm. It is a, the, the, the force we understand probably the least right after God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a, you know, comfort far more important than anything else. And that's why I think morning rites are so important because morning rites are about that, com- that psychological component of comfort. But they also fulfill a very important spiritual in uh, you know function, and that morning rites are fundamentally about the dead and the living. Both have mm-hmm. to go through the morning rites. The morning rites help the dead to transition into their kind of new state. Um, the, this is you know in the Virginian tradition of conjure, for example, when morning rites aren't cons- aren't done properly, it's believed to make spirits restless, and so that's why we have a tradition of ghost laying. Now, that's not found in all aspects of conjure, but in Virginia in particular, there is a very clear ghost laying component, which is generally mm-hmm. you repeat the morning rites. You basically mm-hmm. hold another funeral. Um, mm-hmm. And it's also about us as individuals. How do we deal with the fact that we've just someone that has been someone is, who has been an important part of our lives is suddenly gone, Right, it's, there's a very suddenness. There's even when you expect it, even there's a suddenness to it. There's a finality to it, and so this is why those morning rites are are very helpful. And one of the things I recommend for clients when I help them through this is the cleaning of the, the person's stuff or the, the whoever's mm-hmm. passed on stuff. It's the one of the hardest things to do, uh, in my opinion, is to go through the stuff. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And it'll call, it'll bring up all sorts of feelings: anger, uh, sadness, bitterness, uh, a little bit of happiness. Though, as you'll see, things that'll give you good memories. But the going through this stuff is important because it, it's part of the process of saying, okay, this is the stuff we give to charity. This is the stuff that we're no longer going to need, or we dispose of, or whatnot. And this is the stuff we're going to keep. So there is an mm-hmm. intentional process there of deciding what you're going to hold on to and what you're going to let go. And that can help through this. It's not an, again, it's not an easy thing to do. It's a very difficult thing to do. Um, you know, cleaning the house of someone you loved, cleaning, deciding what, what you know, toys, what uh, items, what objects, et cetera, m- meant something to them and you. It's also a process of selecting the memories you will hold dear. Uh, and then that stuff gets transferred onto whether it's an ancestor altar or an altar for the helpful dead. But that's a process that can help you rebuild this new relationship that we have uh, with the spirits of the dead. And it's, it's a difficult process and you have to kind of sit with it and let yourself hurt and be angry, uh, but also let yourself remember because memory is the link by which we, uh, you know, connect the living to the dead. And so I always tell clients that that's the first step is let yourself feel, go through the feelings, go through the morning rites, and then go through the stuff, the physical things, mm-hmm. you know, and decide what stays, what goes, and let yourself think and remember and feel as you do it. You know, that's that's really true. And you mentioned morning rites. I'm going to mention one that I um, learned through Hoodoo. In 
some cultures, especially where a death is unexpected and there are children left behind, it is believed that the ghost of the mother uh, yes. haunts the the children. In the mm-hmm. um, Latino community, there's a name for this, La Llorona. Um, in in Hoodoo, I know of no specific name, but it is thought that mothers come back to visit their children and make them restless and make them cry. And there is a, a well-known conjure remedy for this, which is to go to the grave of the mother and say, I know you want to be near your child. Let me take a little of your graveyard dirt and carry it back and then put it at the doors or you know, the windowsills, but usually just at the front door and back door and say, there, now you can be with your child and protect your child. Now be quiet. <laughs> and so the 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 dead one is brought to the house. Mm-hmm. Now, among those who are more influenced by Afro-Caribbean tradition, they might put that in, an, on, in a little pot or something on an altar space. But usually in mm-hmm. the older days, it was just sprinkled at the doorstep, more of a yep. threshold type magic. And um, another one that I know that is that is used for this is to um, save a lock of the hair of the dead. Mm. Now, this became very popular during the Victorian era, where the hair was braided and macrameed and you know made into like mm-hmm. ornamental flower designs that were then pressed under glass. And people think now that that was so extreme that people did it, but. But um, that was the custom. And having a lock of hair is a very important link to the dead. And this is true of pets as well. And I can um, testify, for instance, that I had a very uh, beloved dog. It was Nagashiva's dog when we met, named Eris. And when she died, I was very sad. And I carried a lock of her hair in a little pouch around my neck when I went looking for a new dog. And I went to a kennel where there were many dogs that were going to be shown to me one after another. Would you like this one? Would you like that one? This one was ahead. It was a large breeder of Portuguese water dogs. And I saw two or three of them, and I was wearing this little pouch. And they all just, you know, high, high, wag your tail, nice, friendly dog. And then this one dog came out and just ran up, jumped on me, and smelled the pouch and, and just nuzzled it with her nose. And I went, okay, that's the one. And that was Sophie, who then Sophie. became my next oh, dog. Wow. Because she yeah. she 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 got it, you know what I mean. She said, "Yes, this this I'm going home with this person because she has the hair of Eris in a pouch, and now I have the mm. hair of Sophie in another pouch." And um, oh. so, um, you know, it's it's interesting what people's customs are um, for um, dealing with these things. I find them um, very interesting. Another custom that comes to mind is the breaking of crockery on the grave Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and also the placing of toys and and dolls. These customs probably come out of Africa. They are found in certain African-American communities where where the custom was not destroyed or disturbed, particularly in Texas. Um, You'll find dishes and plates um, broken on the grave, but they probably were not taken to the grave to be broken. They were taken with food in them and then they broke over time. But you'll also find dolls and um, old Chinaware dolls buried in the graves of children. And other um, Chinaware was very favored for this in the black community. I have a little doll head that I dug up out of a 
grave. I was just going to get some graveyard dirt, and there was this little china doll head, and I'm kind of like, whoa. Mm-hmm. So I took it with me with permission. Um, so that, that's something that is very common to give an offering to the dead, as well as bringing something of the dead home to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Yeah. I, I was going to mention that with a similar tradition for mothers uh, who have passed on and left children behind is passing the child over, a gra- over the grave of the mother um, mm-hmm. is, is found particularly in North Carolina and South Carolina. You'll find that the, you, you take the baby to the actual cemetery, you pass the idea being like, all right, you stay here, um, we'll take the kids. So there's bo- both traditions of either taking the, the mom home with the grave mm-hmm. there, and also going, all right, here's your new resting place and passing the baby over. But mm-hmm. one, um, when, when it comes to morning rites, one component um, that, that plays a big role is the role of dreams. And so dreams are, uh, are somewhat fickle here. Some people assume that they're going to immediately start having dreams of the person who's passed on. And sometimes that doesn't happen. There can be a period of silence, and that can be bewildering, particularly mm-hmm. for those who are spiritually inclined or come from a tradition in which uh, the dead still commune with the living. Um, there, is, there can be a sense of like, well, why aren't they contacting me? Why haven't I heard from so-and-so, mm-hmm. why isn't grandma showing up in my dreams? Why is that my mom, you know, giving me a sign? Um, and there is a process of, of saying, you know, that's a difficult period to deal with. But sometimes it does take time. Sometimes it does take a few weeks, a few months before you start to have those dreams, which themselves are meant to be signs of comfort, signs of, all right, things are going to be okay. Um, and it generally has to do with your own kind of state of mind, the state that the spirit is in, um, and, and kind of building slowly the ability to communicate with the dead. It can take some time. And then in other instances, it is really right away. I know that, for example, uh, when I had fa- a family member pass just a, a few months ago, um, we all started having dreams the very next day, the very next mm-hmm. day, very clear. But this was because the person was also very much uh, a big figure in our family who uh, was, kind of, you know, commanding in life as well. So mm-hmm. right off the bat, there was a very clear, he showed up, everything's okay. Everything is going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And and we all had kind of dreams like, literally within uh, one day. We're like, okay, you know, he's there. So both things can happen, and there's no point in kind of begrudging which one happened. Like, oh, why haven't they heard? It's simply a matter of being patient, going through the rights as best as possible. Uh, and then one thing I do tell clients is, is do set out a light. Not just a light for commemorating, but setting out a light in those kind of early days is a way of keeping the light on in the dark um, and letting you know, spirit know that you are open. Uh, that you're ready for communication, that you're ready to hear. And so lighting a candle at night and just saying a quick prayer, you know, may your spirit be at rest. I'm, I'm here, uh, you know, if you, that you wish to give me a sign, give me a sign. Um, and it works, and you'll start to dream of that person if you're ready to dream about them. Yeah, I, I'm going to jump in here. I have had a lot of connections with clients who are expecting to dream of grandfather, and everybody mm-hmm. else in the family has had the dream, and they have uh, yeah. 
And they feel yeah. so hurt and abandoned because did grandmother hate me? Did grandfather dislike me? Why doesn't he come in my dream? And I usually end up giving them instructions, which are similar to the instructions for dreaming true generally. Fast mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. dreaming. Uh, do a partial fast for three days or a full fast for a day or whatever you can do, a half fast for a day. Um, and, um, you know, hops, uh, under a little hops pillow um, and some other you know kinds of dream herbs. Althea is a good one also. And um, then they, when they have the dream, they will be very satisfied. But it's interesting because again, this is um, it's a it's a kind of a strange thing when you are the one who doesn't dream of the dead and everyone else has. And um, I've never had that happen to me, but I've had it happen to a lot of my clients. And they seek out a reader for help with that. Yeah, I haven't had any clients ask me about dreams for their loved ones and such. But when my dad was dying in the hospital, I dreamed of him before he was even dead. Mm-hmm. And they had him on so much morphine, he was practically disembodied anyway. Yeah. So, you well, know, and you my, know, my auntie was... Thing. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Oh, I was saying my auntie was, was kind of weirded out. She's like, but he, you're dreaming about him. He's not even dead. I'm like, no, he's he's not in there anymore. He's kind of hanging out next to there, mm-hmm. you know, but he's just waiting for that tether to, to go so he can go. And it was it was painful. I mean, he was, I was, what, 25 when he passed away? Mm-hmm. But, you know, but see, I, 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 I just want to say something. We're going to get our bumper music mm-hmm. now. We're going to have to come to the end. But I want to say one thing. That, in a sense, is also prophetic on your part. Mm-hmm. You have a gift of prophecy. In other words, you foretold the death. Um, so, you, And that, I know, is one of your characteristics as a diviner. All right. Well, this was a great topic. and um, yeah. And I hope it was of help to some. And uh, we're going to do some readings now. So um, let's let Papa Newt bring us in with our first client. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rework Hour with your hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ali. And this week's special guest, Angela Marie Horner, will be right back. We'll be taking calls from our listeners, answering their questions through spiritual divination, and prescribing down-home conjure remedies and remediation. Our calling clients are selected from among those who have filled out a short questionnaire at the Lucky Mojo form at form.luckymojo.com. You can listen to the show online through Blog Talk Radio or via telephone by dialing 818-394-8535. If you filled out a client questionnaire at the form, please dial in now to 818-394-8535 and press 1 to let us know that you're available to be on the air. We will select callers by their area code, and if your area code is announced, we'd like you to say hello and let me, your announcer, Papa Newt, read a brief description of your situation before turning it over to our host. Now it's time to go to the phones and take our first caller. And our first caller is calling in from actually the future, from country code 61 in Australia. This is Kate. Kate, are you there? Yes. Hi. Hi. Welcome back to the show. I see you haven't been on. uh, The last time you were on was March of 2013. So welcome back, and thank you for entrusting us with your situation. Thanks. You're welcome. Now, it looks like you haven't had any readings with Ms. Ketter Conjurman Ali or have gone to any other readers and root workers on this situation. Is that correct? Yes. 
Thank you. And she writes, nine years ago, I left a bad marriage after being with my husband for 22 years. Since then, I have reinvented myself and transformed my life so that almost everything is now the way I want it. But the one thing that's missing is love. I have never had a healthy, long-term loving relationship, but feel that I'm now in a place where I'm ready for that and sense that this is the year uh, that it will happen. Will I finally find true love and have a lasting relationship with my soulmate? Turn back to you, Ms. Kat. All right. Well, how interesting that your last time you called was 2013, seven years ago. They sometimes say, and the old people will say, all the cells in your body are renewed every seven years. It was an old saying, folk saying, people would say. Um, may I ask what sign of the zodiac you are? I'm a Gemini. A Gemini, okay. And about how old are you? I'm 49. 49. Well, you're just the right age to find the love of your life, my dear. Um, I can speak from experience on that one. All right, well, I'm going to use the Rider-Waite-Smith Tarot, and I'm going to um, cut the cards and do three cards, three-card cut on the question, will I find love this year? Okay, And the answer is, yes, it is very likely. It is These cards are good cards, and they are just, all I can say is they're excellent. The first card is the Page of Wands. This is a card of someone who is searching for something. It's a, a it could be considered a young woman. Um, some people call it a young boy. I call it a young woman. And she is walking uh, from the past, which is the left of the card, facing toward the right, which is the future. And she has a staff which she's measuring the earth. It's like a surveyor's rod. And she has a feather in her cap. She has accomplished something. And she is out in the sands of ancient Egypt, and she's basically embarking on a journey. And this is a card of someone who has much to do, much ahead of her. Take your time. It's a walking journey, not riding, not airplane. But this says you should continue to look. Um, You should search everywhere. You should not stay at home. You should make sure that you're actually going out and that you're also measuring everyone against whatever standard you have. That um, you're looking for renewal. The staff is bursting into new leaf and you're aiming high. She stands and looks at the tip of the the rod and sights a distant star. And I would say that star probably is um, a guide star for her. So that's a very good start. And if you don't hang around your house and just get old and stale, but if you get out and around, you will find somebody. The next card actually shows the beginning of a love affair. It's called the Two of Cups. And it shows a woman in white with a blue little um, uh, overdress over her white gown. And she has red shoes. And so she is um, sexually active, the red shoes, but she's not dressed in red like she's some sort of a harlot or slut. She's actually quite calm-looking, but she has a lot of passion. And on her head, she has a wreath of bay laurel leaves, which is to say she has a calm demeanor, very intellectual, very wise woman. And she's holding a golden goblet in her hand, and she's offering it to a man. 
And the man is dressed in a tunic with leaves and flowers and little symbols of flame and fire. And he has a wreath of roses. He's a sexually active man. He's a loving man. And he's passionate. And he's reaching for her cup. And between them in the sky is the caduceus, um, which is, can be taken as two different things. It can be the caduceus of Asclepius, which is the healer, the, the doctor's sign of, the, of a rod with two snakes twined on it. But it also looks like the symbol for the planet Mercury, which is communication. And above that is the head of a red lion, like a heraldic head, not a real lion, with wings. And that stands for the uh, sacred sexuality or the embodiment of um, angelic sexuality. And behind them is a little beautiful cottage in Cornwall with little trees and little meadows, sheep meadows. It's very lovely. So this says you can find such a person. But this card is not a card of marriage. It's a card called the betrothal or the meeting. So you will meet this person, but you might not yet this year marry them. Okay? So I'm not going to say, yes, you will marry, but I will say, yes, there will be people presented to you who are absolutely appropriate for you. And the third card is a card that tells me that you have a lot to offer and that you have some psychic abilities yourself. This is the Queen of Cups. And she is facing from right to left. And she's looking at a cup that she's holding which has a lid on it. And it could be someone's heart because cups are the same as the suit of hearts in playing cards. Or it could be someone's mind. And she is a person who's very intuitive. She has three little mermaid angel babies carved on her throne. She has a golden crown. And she's also dressed in white and blue, just like the lady in the two of cups. So cups being hearts, we have gone from the two of hearts to the queen of hearts. And so you will be the queen of someone's heart. But be calm and be... um, gentle. She also has red in the lining of her cloak. So there is some sexual component, but it's just not flaunted. It's quite a lot of sexuality, but it's it's kept decorously. So I would say that you will find somebody, but when you do, take time with every one of the people that you meet as you travel around and go out. Search their heart. Look in their heart. You probably have a great deal of psychic ability that you can use in the uh, search for love. And um, sit in a moment in meditation and think, is this the one? Because she's sitting here looking into the heart. She also has angels around her on the um, cup. They're carved in the golden cup. And I would say, ask your angels to guide you, to guide your footsteps, because we start with the footsteps, we have a meeting, and then we have her looking. Okay? That's what I have to say to you, and um, it's a, it really does say that this will be a good year for you to find love. Thanks. Okay. okay. Yeah, so I'm going to uh, turn this over to Contraman Ali. Oh, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to turn it over to Angela Marie. My, my mistake. Ah, I see how you are. <laughs> okay, hello. So I use an Oracle deck. Uh, the Ravenloft deck and uh, the first card I pulled for you is called the Artifact 
and the artifact is something physical needed to move forward. So that's where you were. You physically got yourself set up in a different point of view, different mindset, different way of, of thinking and being for yourself. And so the physical component is also getting out and being seen. Um, I don't trust dating sites, but getting out and being seen. The the artifact is, um, so in physical terms, the artifact is talking about a physical meeting. It's talking about, you know, phone numbers. It's talking about mixers. It's talking about something physical that's, that you need to move forward in this. Um, the beggar is the next card I pulled out. And the beggar is the six of coins in mine. Um, you don't really correlate too easily to Tarot. I think Miss Cat did figure that out because I showed him to her. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But the uh, the beggar, one of them is literally a beggar who is just, you know, this, this distraught guy. And the other one is a king who is giving him six go- six coins in his cup. But if you look at the picture, they're the exact same person. Hmm. So the card means a 360-degree change or even a 180-degree change. Like mm-hmm. things can change all of a sudden. You can be both the pauper and the and the king in the same breath. Mm-hmm. So things are changing for the better. Um, because of the two cards near it is why I say for the better. So it's not, and it's definitely not a race. It's a lazy river ride. It's not a race. Um you should it's it's something that's telling you to keep your eyes open because things can change suddenly for the good or for the bad um to pay attention to your surroundings and who knows you may have already met the person because you're so busy focused on yourself you haven't taken the time to look up and see who's around you now it's time to look up and see who's around you because something could change very quickly for you. The last card I've pulled is the Berserker. The Berserker means chaos. So in the midst of all your chaos, you know, your your one is wait is kind of standing there waiting for you waiting for the dust to clear so you can see them through the fog. Um, the, the chaos that goes around travel, the chaos that goes around, oh, spring cleaning time, your hand's thrown up in the air. This is just a little bit, it's, just, it's not a bad chaos. It's just a little bit of good chaos to get things mixed up, you know, pick up the snow globe and shake it, you know, do something different, get out of your comfort zone, uh, have a little chaos, and, you know, keep that, Keep that weather eye. Be careful always. But, yeah, let let there be a little bit of chaos in there. Shake things up. Go to a restaurant you've never been to before. Um, go to a bar on the safe side of town that you've never been to before. Shake things up. Um, we have, we as humans have a, a set type that we like, and sometimes that set type is bad for us, but we don't realize that. Uh, you've been working in, on in, on reinventing yourself. So, you know, take a look at the other side of what you like in, in people. 
and that may save you some headache. So uh, th- this is, I like what you just said, shake that snow globe up. So this is about going somewhere you've never been or doing something you've never done or trying a kind of person you've never tried before. And what was the name of that card? That was called the Berserker. The Berserker. Okay, great. The Berserker has a picture of a of a soldier with, he's dead, obviously. He's got seven or eight swords stabbed into him, and he's holding his sword, and he's still fighting. He's still mm-hmm. fighting the good fight. When all the enemies are gone, he's going to drop. But mm-hmm. in that chaos of war, you know, that, that berserk mm-hmm. chaos that's going on around him, he's mm-hmm. victorious. Gotcha. He's the victorious right. dead, but he's victorious. All right. Well, let's turn this over to Contraband Ali. He's going to offer some root work. Yeah, thank you. I think you've gotten some fantastic uh, readings here. Um, and I think they resonate uh, a lot with your experience, and in particular with finding love for a, a Gemini, if you do a Gemini. Um, you know, Geminis sometimes have a hard time with, with long-term, uh, you know, fixed love, and they do find love in pluck, meaning strange places, weird places, doing random things is like that's the Gemini's forte when it comes to finding love. They're, when they're leisure looking for it, it shows up. Uh, so bear, bear that in mind. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you some work advice that will help to kind of bring in a bunch of these elements together. Um, we're going to start off with, with a bath, and then we're going to do root work that combines a little bit of air magic with something to ground, because that's what I think is needed here, is actually uh, to take that kind of air energy and ground it a little bit so that you have something long-term and meaningful manifest. So start off by getting a violet leaves and rue and brew this into a tea. Pour it into a bath with a little bit of milk and honey. I've given this a uh, recipe out before in a variety of different forms, and it's really good for situations like yours where there is something blocking love, where there's something that seems to have either crossed up the conditions of love or there is an old pattern that needs to be broken or just a fresh start is needed. It heals the heart, it opens it up towards your love, and it works wonders. And it also happens to be just a really good bath for skin and beauty in general. Uh, so bathe in this. Uh, this is a really good... Um, uh, bath and use it as many times as you feel necessary. But once you've bathed, afterwards, while you're air drawing, what I want you to do is write down what you were looking for in a partner. You should write two copies of this list. It should be a meaningful list. Don't be afraid to edit it down so you can start off with something like 20 qualities. I always tell clients to narrow it down, shoot for seven or nine that makes it much more manageable what is it you're really looking for in a person you're going to fold both of these up place it on a plate and on top of it you're going to put a large lodestone you can get these lodestones uh, from lucky mojo they have really cool and different sizes so you can fit the pick the one the size that is right for you i prefer a large one for work like this it's nice kind of anchors what you're looking for. Then what you're going to do is around this, or on the plate itself, you're going to arrange a series of items. At the top, you're going to put two rose petals, 
to the right, some violet leaves, to the bottom, lovage, and to the left, juniper berries. So what you'll have is a sort of cross-like configuration with the lodestone right in the middle. For seven days, you are going to pray while giving the lodestone magnetic sand and burning come-to-me incense. The incense is that powerful air quality. On the final day, that's the seventh day, you're going to get yourself a mojo bag and you're going to add a little pinch of each one of the items. A little bit of the rose petal, a little bit of the uh, lovage, a little bit of the um, juniper berries, a little bit of the violet leaves, and a pinch of the magnetic sand hairs from the lodestone along with one copy of the list. You're going to put it into the mojo bag, pray into it, tie it tight with three knots, and then you're going to spray it with your favorite perfume to which you've added a small Queen Elizabeth root. That perfume you will also wear on yourself and then go about your day. Keep the mojo bag on your body. When you come home, place it on the altar. Feed both the mojo bag and the lodestone, a bit of your perfume for the mojo bag, a little bit of magnetic sand for the lodestone once a week. This is a great way of building the kind of energy and spirit you need to draw in new love for yourself and take it where you, with you wherever you go. You will ground and anchor it with the, with the altar, and you'll have the mobility component of it with the mojo bag. That's my recommendation. I think we have a few seconds left in case anyone wants to make some uh, adjustments or changes. Oh, it sounds beautiful to me. It's lovely. I, I really like this kind of, uh, of a mojo. It's very simple to make. It's a um, natural product. The only other thing I might add would be um, as a, to add to the perfume would be a little bit of look-me-over oil and a little bit mm. of attraction oil. They go well together, and they will go well with almost any floral female-type perfume. Attraction is a little more spicy, and mm-hmm. look-me-over is a little more floral. But I like to put those on um, to attract attention and to just attract, period. That's all I would add. How about you, um, Angela Marie? Have anything to add? No, stay out of my head because that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a little psychic too, I guess. Right. Thank you all. Well, good good luck to you, Kate, Rain22, however you wish to call yourself. And we hope you find someone soon, and I think you will. All right. Well, we're going to do another reading, and um, I guess we're going to let Papa Newt lead us into that. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com. And by the Association of Independent Readers and Rootworkers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and take our next client. And our next client is calling in from area code 229 in Georgia. This is Alicia. Alicia, are you there? Yes, I'm here. 
I welcome to the show. I see that you have been on the show before. I welcome back and thank you for entrusting us with your situation. Yes, now, I see that uh, you haven't had any readings with Miss Cat or Conjurement Ali or have gone to any other readers or root workers on this particular situation. Is that correct? That's correct. <laughs> thank you. And she writes, I had a job interview on the 31st of January and was told that I would uh, would hear something uh, uh, the, on the 3rd of February. I know the job is still available because I didn't get an email saying the position uh, was filled, but I don't understand why I haven't heard anything. What can I do? Turn it back to you, Ms. Kat. All right. Well, this is frustrating, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Um, well, let me ask a couple of questions, and when we'll see, and then we'll do the readings. First question is, what sign of the zodiac are you? I'm a Scorpio. A Scorpio. And about how old are you? Um, I'm 29. 29. So you're just coming through and on the other mm. side of your Saturn return. All right. Well, um, we're going to have um, Ali do the first reading, Angela will do the second reading, and then I'll come back and give you some root work advice. So take it away, Ali. Okay. Thanks, Kat. So I've pulled a couple cards here uh, that speak to your situation. Uh, the first is the High Priestess, and the High Priestess speaks to you, who you are as a person. Uh, and it is an indication that you are competent, you are skilled, you are qualified, uh, you have a lot to bring into this situation, um, and and so you shouldn't be worried in that regard. That there's some problem with you. No, that's not the issue. You are you're the right person, uh, and you are skilled, and you're a person who any employer would look at and go, yeah, I want this person. Uh, and that's the, what you want to shine. So any type of work that you want to do should involve a component of allowing yourself to shine through. Uh, in this instance, for example, look me over is really good for it. Uh, people don't often think about look me over as a job getting oil, but it actually works quite well. Attraction also similarly works in that vein. You want to kind of say, hey, look, look how great I am. And you want people to see that particular component of yourself. Um, the, the high priestess also is an indication that you are a person with some abilities of yourself. There is intuition there, and I think your worry here is well-founded. Your intuition is giving you a feeling, and that feeling is something that you should abide by because there is something wrong here. You should have heard back from this a particular job. And we see this in the next card, the Ten of Wands. The Ten of Wands is an indication that there is a hindrance, that there is something that is blocking you. There is a burden that is keeping you from achieving your goals. You are headed in the right direction, but something is holding it down. Something is slowing it down. This is not a particularly easy journey. Uh, it's an indication also that, that you are coming to the end of it. Uh, which is a good sign. The Ten of Wands is an indication that eventually the burden will fall away. But you're going to need to do some work in order to assist in that regard. This is a time delay as well, so it does seem like you're not going to have an immediate response, like say in the next couple of days. It'll take a little bit longer, it looks like. Uh, there's still a delay ahead of you. But the final card gives us some hope, and that is the Three of Pentacles. The Three of Pentacles shows us uh, a person who is working on a cathedral being watched over by two other figures, uh, someone who is a guide or an architect and another who is a sponsor. 
and this is an indication that you will eventually get employed. It may not be the current place that you're looking at. So you're going to have to do magic if you want this current job. You're going to have to do magic in order to help your yourself along here because there is a bit of, of a block. But that the end result of this all, that after this kind of long journey, is that you will eventually find employment. And the reason why I say it may not be the place uh, that you're currently applying is because the pentacles here are not coins carved in there. So it's not an immediate uh, sort of change in salary or an immediate uh, coming through. This is what the cards indicate. Now, I also pulled, I also casted very quickly a geomantic chart just to get, see if any further insights can be provided. And the, the, the figure that jumped out the most in terms of job is conjunctio. Conjunctio is an indication that there is something astrological, and I think Kat picked up on it when she asked your age uh, and you're coming out through your Saturn return doing some astrological remediation here will be good to help balance out some of the configurations in your own chart and what may be going on in your life so some form of astrological talisman right timing in particular can help you so if you can get a, a talisman that really taps into the, the aspects in your chart that really taps into the power of Mercury or uh, a mansion of the moon or something that deals with helping you get a job, I think that can help ameliorate some of the delays that you see here. So that's what I see. Uh, I, overall, a good reading, but one that does indicate that there are real delays and that need to be addressed magically. And I'm going to turn this over to Angela, who will do your next reading, and then Kat will give you some root work recommendations. Okay, thank you. So I am shuffling away. Okay. So the first card I pulled for you is called The Mist. The Mist is mystery. It's magic. It's secrets to be known. It's things to find out. Um, most likely you're going to hear from them, but it will be more of, oh, we lost your paperwork or, you know, oh, we... We had some, uh, the manager moved to somewhere else. You're going to find out that they dropped the ball, and that's why you hadn't heard from them. They are more likely to still not hire you because of that, but it won't be your fault. It's not something you did. They're a cousin, someone who they're trying to give the, the job to, so they lose all the paperwork for the good ones. These sort of things happen in lower business in uh, family-run businesses, but not necessarily corporations. The rogue is the next card I pulled, and the rogue means somebody who waits and watches. So continue putting your fingers out, your, your feelers out there for other jobs and wait and watch and see what happens. Um, definitely do magic on it. There is, It's not a particular uh Jane Smith is cursing me. It's, you know, you have to get things kick-started. You have to, you know, you're saying to the universe, yes, yes, I really do want a job. Please send me one. I'm not, I'm right here. Yes, yes, come on. And so you're waiting and watching for that opportunity so you can pounce on it when it shows up. The last one is the missionary. And this card means good advice. 
So someone has given you advice on this, uh, a mom, a sister, a best friend, um, an ex-coworker. Somebody's given you some good advice on this. It's worth revisiting. This advice is worth revisiting. Um, it was not complete BS. They weren't completely talking out of the side of their neck. They did actually know what they were talking about, and they did actually have some good advice for you. Um, this may have been someone who used to work there or who currently works there. Okay. So the missionary is, you know this person. They're not a stranger, So they've, and they've given you some good advice. So that would be good to revisit. <laughs> does that, does that like ring a bell with mama. you, ma'am? Yeah. It sounds like my mama. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's always the parents who have the good advice and we don't listen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. well, that's a that's good to know. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you that with that card that Angela just gave, I find that very interesting because in a way it um, tells us that our advice probably isn't as important as your mother's. What would you say oh. to that, Angela? Does that seem about right? <laughs> Being the mother of two rather hard-headed daughters, yeah, I would say that was right. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a couple of pieces of advice based on what I saw, and then I'm going to give you some root work advice. So first, some mundane, and then. Um, some root work. So um, one of the things that stood out to me was what Angela said about the mist, secrets to find out. Right now we are in a period um, that is called um, Mercury retrograde. And um, a lot of people swear by it. A lot of people say it doesn't affect them at all. Um, if it does not affect them, it's usually because it's on their chart, their Mercury is placed in such a way it won't affect them. But most people will have something go on when Mercury is retrograde. And it goes retrograde usually three times a year. But that is a period of time when paperwork is lost, when checks don't come in the mail, when just everything goes wrong, but in a minor way of communication. It's not a notable time for death, for instance. It's not a notable time for tragedy or earthquakes. But it is a notable time for fender bender accidents, or as I always tell people, that's when your office printer catches on fire. And, um, you know, or you, you turn the light bulb on and it blows out the whole circuit and your router goes down. It's just one of those Mercury retrograde things. But it really does deal with communication. And I have a sense that um, Angela kind of tuned in to that because I'm sensing that that is part of what's happening here. We're now in Mercury retrograde. It's going to be retrograde for, it goes retrograde for three weeks at a time. But that carries you way beyond the normal realm of this actually producing results. My feeling is, yes, they've lost your paperwork. They've done something. They've made a decision and didn't make good on calling you. They hired someone else who came to them from a company that they knew or was a family relative. There's something hinky in this in this card reading. It's just something hinky and I'm sorry to see it because it always does make you wonder what did I do wrong? Am I not as good as what they wanted? But it's not I don't think it's you. I think it's something that happened in their company. 
All right. Having said that, that other card of the three of pentacles, of the people um, building a, uh, a church, that tells me that you do get a job. It's about get, That's about a job. But it may not be, as Ollie said, it may not be the one you applied for. Are you applying for other jobs? Yes, ma'am. Oh, good. Oh, good. Because mm-hmm. I think this one may be toast. I just don't, I get a, a, a bad feeling about it. So what I'd like you to do is, do you ever do candle work um, on your altar for um, for job getting? You know what I'm talking about? Yes, ma'am. Okay. So what I'm going to give you is this, as an idea. I want you to um, go on the Internet and print out the logos of different companies. Hey, even if it's just, you know, George's Auto Body Shop, they're going to have some kind of a logo. And I want you to print them out small. Don't print them out big. You don't want big sheets of paper. We're not entombing, you know, giant binders here. We just want their logo small. And get the logo of every company that you are applying to, every one of them. If you have a color printer or can access color printing, that would be nice. If it's black and white, it doesn't matter. And you want these logos and you want to cut them out. If they're square, cut them out of square. If they're circular, if they're rectangular, but just nice little logos. I want you to have all of them. And then on the back of each one, I want you to write your desire, and the name of the person who's con- who you have contact with, whether it's HR department at a certain corporation, or you could say, you know, Miss Reynolds in HR, or maybe it could be, you know, um, you know, Joe Budget at Joe's Radio Shop, right? But whatever it is, wherever you're applying, you're going to put somebody's name, if you can get it, and their department or their ownership or whatever, and then you're going to write your hire me at a good wage, and you can state it. Bernie Sanders says we all need $15 an hour minimum wage, okay? Mm-hmm. If, you're, if it's for a salaried, just go right ahead and say, in Bernie Sanders' name, amen, okay? Um, I know that sounded sacrilegious, but I'm yeah. a funny person. Um, <laughs> Um, but if you're if it's for a salary, you know, at sixty thousand dollars a year or whatever it is, please hire me, um, and I will be a faithful I will be faithful, loyal, and true to you. And your company sign your name, and all of these little pieces of paper. I want you to get a little um, container, a wide-mouthed jar that you can put sugar in, and you just put in a little layer of sugar, put in one of the papers, and as you put it in, pray. Now, please hear my plea, be sweet to me, favor me, and whatever. And on top of that piece of paper, put a coin. It can be a quarter, 50-cent piece. If you have a child and are looking for work as a working mother, use a Sacagawea coin. It's a dollar golden dollar coin. shows a mother with a baby on her back, a Native American woman with a papoose with a baby on her back. But what you're going to do is put a coin on it, put another layer of sugar, another logo, another coin, another layer of sugar. You just keep going, right? And um, I would, because it was the three of coins was what was shown, you might want to limit it to your top three choices, but you could keep on going. I don't care if you build it up nine layers tall. You're just going to have that in the jar, put the lid on that thing. It has to be a metal lid, not a plastic lid, and you're going to put a little candle on that. You can use it in a little candle holder. Don't be putting a big old glass candle on top that's going to tip over and catch your house on fire. If you want to, you could use a little tea light. If you use a tea light, you're going to want to 
pop it apart and either use a Sharpie or a dull, dead ballpoint pen or pencil and write your prayer in it. I need a job, you know, a good job at a living wage as soon as possible in a good place. You just write it inside the metal of that cap, or if it's plastic, use a Sharpie and write it in there. If the wick pops out of the tea light, some are made that way, dip that into steady work oil. If it doesn't, just line the little cup with steady work oil and put the whole thing back in and um, burn it. Um, If you want to burn little uh, four-inch candles, that's just fine. Dress them with steady work oil. And I want you to be burning those candles for at least, at least seven days. And But better yet, to me, would be to burn them until Mercury goes direct before you try to pursue anything right now. It's just a bad time to try to pursue something new. And um, when Mercury goes direct, um, and someone will tell me what date that is. I don't want to speak wrong because I have a I know what it is, I think, but someone's going to look it up and put me the actual date, so I'm bad at numbers. Um, And uh, when Mercury goes direct, then I want you to take all of that, uh, open up the jar, take out all those coins, and I want you to distribute the coins to the poor. I want you to take all those logo papers, and I want you to wear, when you go to each interview or talk to each person, I want you to wear their logo in your shoe. And um, March 10th, according to Google. Okay, there we go. March 10th, Mercury goes direct. And I would have been wrong had I spoken. It's a good thing I didn't. And um, so you have those logos prepared now, and you can you can wear them in your shoe. The sugar, I would like you to, unless you are very uh, have a very bad case of diabetes, I'd like you to use a little bit of it, sweeten your tea or your coffee, um, taste a little bit of it, and especially when you go on a job search taste a little bit of that uh, sugar and say, now, may you know, Miss so-and-so at the such-and-such company be sweet to me as I go for this interview. If you go to interview online, you're going to have to eat a little of that sugar and just take your hand and just touch your screen. You know, Come on now, be nice to me. And you can, <laughs> since you're not going to be walking to them, you can put their logos under your keyboard as you right. type. Okay. So that's what I would do. I I keep all kinds of things under my keyboard. If I lift it up right now, you'd be, oh, my gosh. I have people's business cards. I have people's business cards under my keyboard. And as I type, I'm typing on their business cards. Okay. It's weird because I did a honey jar Mm -hmm. for that particular job. And even before Mm. the interview, I had, you know, ate some honey to, you know, let my words be sweet and Mm -hmm. everything. Thing. And it seemed like the interview went well, so that was just the only thing. So it's a lot. Kind of well, yeah, I I hear you, and you know, um, these people have some problem. There's something going on with that company, and it may be just Mercury retrograde. But um, my feeling is you may have to find a different job at a different place. I'm just getting a funny feeling about them. All right, well, there's our music. So now we're going to have our network schedule announcement, which is, you know, this strange music from outer space in Electron Land. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30, The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6, 
The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron, with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment with Angela Marie Horner of AngelaMarieHorner.com in Santa Rosa, California. Take it away, Angela. Okay, thank you. So I did not have a specific, mostly because there is no spell to cure your grief. There is no spell to bring back the dead. You can talk to them, but there's not really a spell to work for them, but for yourself, for healing and cleansing yourself of your grief to help ease it, uh, there you can have a jet palm stone. I, I have a nice one that fits in my hand. It's a little rounded. Uh, jet makes way for grieving. It, it makes space so that you can so that you can breathe, so that you can grieve, so that you can remember and and remember fondly. And because it's black, black also draws in negativity. So it pulls out, it helps to pull out that pain. It helps to pull out that negativity. Um, I'm not sure if my dog's passing was the reason I have such a huge hole or if she was the plug that covered the huge hole. But the jet has helped me to not feel so lost in the dark. Um, Your jet will get full. So every three days, put it in the windowsill in the sunlight. And once a week, usually Sundays, because Sunday is New Beginnings, wash it with uh, Florida water. And dry it thoroughly because it's a, it's, it's a, more, it's a little bit of a porous stone. So you don't want to put cracks in it. Um, keep your jet on your person. Keep your jet in your hand. Uh, bedside table. Mine sits on on Penelope's uh, paw print that's on top of her little ashes box. There's also you can um, to lift your spirits while you're going through this because trust me, you can feel really low with this. Make yourself a little citrus packet. It's it's more on the side of aromatherapy. But use the hoodoo style herbs for their magical purposes. The the lemon or citrus, uh, orange. These are good for cleansing and clearing. And you're going to want to cleanse and clear that that negativity that the grief can bring up. And to help make way for the joy of remembering that person and knowing that you can probably work with their spirit later on once they get more acclimated to their position in unlife. You can also put rose in it for the love and put mint in it for the the cleansing and clearing and, and, and bringing in that sense of acceptance. And this is to help lift your spirit under your, under your pillow or in your pillowcase to help you through. Uh, burn a white candle like has been suggested and, and burn one every night. It's not going to hurt anything. Just make sure that it's it's put in a fireproof place. 
but you're going to want to anoint the candle to make it more than just wax. So you're going to use healing oil or and a mixture of spirit guide. The healing is for you. The spirit guide is for them to know that, no, I'm I'm not mad at you. I'm just mad that you're not here, but you're here. And it, it helps with that. It, it kind of helps with that fight that you have inside yourself, or at least the fight that I'm having. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you're ready to, to, to take that picture out of your pocket, which you've probably loved on that picture a whole lot, uh, take the picture of your of your loved one who's now your ancestor. Ancestors are those who came before mm-hmm. and or the or the helpful dead, I believe is what Conjurman Ali also called them. And dress it with dress the picture with spirit guide and psychic vision. Um you can smoke it in the incense so that your picture doesn't get messed up. And you want to put it in a in a frame so that smell will kind of stay. And put it on the put it on your ancestor altar. A little bit of water, maybe their favorite food. A little bit of that. Something's not going to go bad too quickly. Um, for me, it's my dog, so a little bit of her favorite dog treats are on there. And change them out. They don't want stale food. Change it out once a week. Uh, if your tradition is not to put food on, don't feel pressed to put food on it. If you're not ready to put them on your ancestor altar, my dog is still sitting right here on my bedside table, then don't do it yet. They'll understand. They don't have a sense of time and space anymore. So those are the tips I've been, those are the things I've been doing to help myself out. Um, Pray to your gods and goddesses. Pray to your universe if you pray to the universe. Um, ask that they're okay, you know, that they will, that you will be okay with their passing. I mean, I don't dream about Penelope, but I feel her jump up on the bed with me. I smell Mm. her breath in my face. You know, I, I feel the weight of her head on my shoulder, but I don't necessarily dream about her. So pay attention to your environment while you're grieving because you'll you'll start to feel them, sense them, even if you're not dreaming of them. They're right there. They're just on the other side of the veil. And there are hundreds of spell books out there. Lucky Mojo has thousands of pages of information. Look something up and find a spell that works for you, but know for a fact that there is no guarantees in magic, And there is no spell that's going to cure you of your grief. You just have to get through it. And it's okay. And if people don't understand, that's their problem, not yours. Well, that's beautiful. I hope that that was very helpful. (laughs) That's that's really, really, really good advice. You know, um, I cannot add anything to that because that was Hmm. just very, very well said. Um, you know, making a little something to carry with you is the only thing I would add. Like I mentioned, having the hair of of two of my dogs who've passed, having a little locket of their hair in a pouch. I don't wear the pouch every day. Yeah. just wear it when I want that, that being near me. And that's a good thing to do, too. Lockets are always good. A locket with, you know, picture and a little 
Yeah, I have a little bottle with my dad's graveyard dirt in it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to go. Well, I want to um, I want to give a quick shout out before we uh, all say goodbye to um, we have a two Angela show. Actually, we we have a, we have Angela L and Angela Marie. We have um, a two I show. We have Tony I and I of Newt, and um, we have. Um, course a two newt show because we have papa newt and i have newt and also i just want to say hi to rivka and uh covet gift and cousin joshua who and anna gabriella who stand alone <laughs> all right i'll turn this over to you papa newt thank you miss cat and contraband ali and thank you angela marie horner of angela marie in santa rosa california for being our guest this week we invite you to join us next week when our special guest from the association of independent readers and root workers will be john st germain of john st germain.com in knoxville tennessee bringing us the topic on transforming bad situations to good uh, once again we come to an end of another lucky mojo hoodoo root work hour brought to you by the lucky mojo Curio company in forestville california you can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Conjurman Ali at theconjurman.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Papa Newt, joining you from papanewt.com in Omaha, Nebraska. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com slash radioshow.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to say thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you'll hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you, you, Papa Newt. Um, Now, everybody remember, there are some new things going on at Lucky Mojo. If you follow us on Facebook, you probably saw those gorgeous aprons modeled by Dos Nikki, Nicole, and her lovely daughter, Althea. Um, We are opening up a cafe press store, and very soon we'll be announcing it at Facebook and on the radio show, but get ready for it. As Stan Lee used to say, save your shekels, because we're going to be offering cups, mugs, keepsake boxes, aprons, T-shirts, and much, much more. Good night. Very cool. Good night, all. Bye.